All right, the Sedano Show rolls on here on ESPN LA. Andy Kamenetsky, our guest co-host today. Zach Harper of The Athletic going to stop by in just a few moments in studio. He's fresh off his uh, Sirius XM show. Uh, but Ariel Hawani, the best in the business at covering MMA, uh, works for us here at ESPN. He joins us here on the Sedano Show on ESPN Los Angeles. Uh, so, Ariel, thank you so much, buddy, for taking the time. I know that you are very busy and you've got your own show and stuff so uh, to handle, so I appreciate it. Um, so I'll ask you the question. Was this weekend really damaging for the UFC? You know, in the moments, and by the way, thank you so much for having me, and I have to say hello to Abraham Cowell, one of the best managers in the business, who says he's listening to you right now and he loves you. So I just wanted to say that. I'm sorry, but he's John Jones's manager. No, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. him and Malky. Uh, I yeah. know those guys from my Miami days, yeah. They're listening, and they're like, you're going on, on George's show? I didn't even tell them. So uh, <laughs> I, I feel like they're owed a shout-out there. Anyway, you have everyone listening to you in the MMA world, so kudos to you. Um, in, in the moment, it was... It was tough because I have seen in combat sports these moments before. Riddick Bowe and Andrew Galata turned into one of the ugliest moments in the history of boxing. Of course, we, we all remember Holyfield Tyson. Uh, we know about the malice of the palace and, and in other sports, right? So once this spilled over into the crowd, I, I, I started to get really worried because I knew how combustible the situation was. I knew how much they hated each other. I knew how passionate the fan bases were. But I, I do think that the UFC did a great job from a security standpoint, as did T-Mobile Arena, diffusing the situation. Unfortunately, they sort of forgot about Conor McGregor, who was in the cage when they were trying to go after Khabib, and mm-hmm. Conor got lit up. And I think that was the most disgusting part of this whole situation. 48 hours later, Everyone in the UFC is giddy. They did record numbers in terms of pay-per-view. It's the second highest gate ever. So in the end, I, I kind of feel like it's no harm, no foul, and they're all kind of laughing to the bank. Well, I mean, if that's the case, if there's no harm, no foul, do you expect UFC to do or to take certain steps to try to prevent something like this from ever happening again? Well, they, they can take steps in terms of security precautions and whatnot, but I, I hear a lot of people... You know, almost, you know, calling for Dana White to put his foot down and do as David Stern did when he uh, suspended Ron Artest for 73 games and all that stuff. Let's be very clear. Dana White is not Adam Silver. He's not David Stern. He's not Roger Goodell. He's not Gary Bettman. He is not the commissioner of mixed martial arts or the UFC. He is an owner. He is Daniel Snyder. He is Jerry Jones. He is James Dolan. And he is going to do what's best for business. It is not best for business to punish Khabib Nurmagomedov for Conor McGregor. Witness the fact that back in April, Conor McGregor attacked a bus full of UFC fighters and UFC employees with a dolly and whatnot and injured people, and nothing happened to him from a UFC standpoint. Uh, yes, the authorities took care of it. Yes, he spent the night in jail, and, and, and he had the plea deal and all that stuff, but the UFC didn't punish him. They're not going to strip Habib because they already set the precedent back in April. I expect the Nevada Athletic Commission to maybe suspend him for six months, but again, that doesn't really do much because the guy fights every four, five, six months, so maybe he'll be out for an extra month. Big deal. We'll give him a fine, but also at the end of the day, that's not going to do much as well. So that's what I mean when I say it, it was not a great look. Like the world was watching, and, and you don't want that. But I say no harm, no foul, because in the end, no one got hurt. No one was arrested. It didn't turn into the tragedy that it could have. I mean, when, I guess then with that in mind, is this what Dana White actually wants? Because when I'm watching the lead up to this and he's at... Oh, the, he's it's at great the, for business. No, but I mean, I, like, it is great I mean, for like, business. This type, yeah. this type of melee, because he's sitting there... 
not just watching Conor McGregor cross the line with these insults, he's egging it on. Yeah, but he's this participating. Is, this in this it. is red meat for that for his audience. I feel like they. I, I feel like that audience. They look. You watch the UFC or MMA because you like violence, right? Like I. I. That's why I watch. It's why people love but football you want violence so much. That ugly. I uh, guess is what I'm. Yeah, asking. but it doesn't. Like Ariel said, right? Like it's this isn't happening every time. So I mean, look, it's a one-off event. Um, but I think it plays more to the base of the MMA audience than it would in the NBA or in any other sport. Ariel, is that fair? So, so I actually, to a degree, think that's unfair, and I'll, I'll okay. explain why. I think MMA fans, and, and, and in this moment, I will consider myself an MMA fan because I grew up an MMA fan. I, I, I dreamed of being a journalist, and I loved the sport, but there was a time when I was a kid in high school watching UFC 1, 2, and 3. And I think we all feel deeply passionate about the sport in the way that, you know, a group of fans would sort of follow an underground band and you kind of feel like that's your band and that's your secret and Mm -hmm. those are your guys and you want to see them, you know, succeed. But once they hit the mainstream, you kind of feel a little funny about it because that was your thing. Well, in this case, MMA fans recognized that the world was watching. They're watching UFC 229, 228. They're watching, you know, the show coming up in Moncton, New Brunswick. They sleep, eat, breathe, all things MMA. They didn't need that. Um, the fight was over. We got what we wanted. We got the feud. We got everything. We got the tap out. It was good. It was clean. It was a nice night. It's everyone else that's talking to me about the melee. Right. Everyone else wants to break it down and say that MMA fans want this or that. No, we're, we're not that bloodthirsty. Yes, we like you know combat and violence, if you want to call it that, martial arts, sweet science, whatever you want to say. But I think it's appealing to everyone else and you see the views online you see the 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 interactions you see everyone talking about you see the headlines that's where it's almost appealing so i would i would say that dana white to answer your initial question i don't think he wants this i truly don't believe that anyone in the ufc wanted this to happen and that's why they took those steps from a security standpoint to prevent it but i do think that in six months if and when they do book this rematch even in one year they are going to use this footage over and over again like they use the bus footage, and they're going to capitalize on it. So the bloodthirsty casual fan is the person who loves this. That's that's, yeah, that, you that, guys, that's you're the ones who love it. That, that's fair. Uh, Ariel Hawani is the best in the business at covering MMA, works for us here at ESPN, joining us here on the Sedona Show on ESPN Los Angeles. Uh, Habib, has he been paid yet? He has not. He has not been paid yet. Um, I suspect they're looking... You know, they're looking at all the footage, they're looking at all the angles. And by the way, in case you're wondering, because some people have asked me about this, so I'll just, you know, explain. If you were wondering why, and you were watching it live, by now you've probably seen it a million times, but they were kind of pulling out, like the camera was zooming out and not so much showing what was happening. Like when they had the mouse at the palace, I, I, I remember vividly watching it, Mike Green, and I think it was Bill Walton, like we're almost doing play-by-play, and they were all up in there with the camera, which is what you should do. But unfortunately, in our sport... We're still living in a day and age where the UFC produces their own events on television. So they want to show you what they want to show you. It's almost like pro wrestling in that sense. They don't want to show everything behind the curtain. When a guy is out for a year due to a suspension for steroids, they'll just say he's out for a year. And, and these are things that I don't like about the sport, and I, I continue to be vocal about it because I think the broadcast needs to be a little more honest. So that's why it was sort of, you know, they were, they were sort of pulling out and you couldn't see fully what, what was happening in the moment. Or at least I could, and I felt like they should have gotten in there. But anyhow, I went on a bit of a tangent. He hasn't been paid. I expect him to be paid eventually. And, and, and the, his disclosed pay from Nevada is $2 million, But make no mistake about it, he is going to make well over $2 million, closer 
to the the eight figure mark because um, they just they put out numbers and those numbers again aren't very honest. That there's a lot more money that's involved, pay per view points and things like that. So he might get fined from the two million because that's his disclosed pay. But this is going to be a slap on the wrist for Habib. Do you suspect that it, when this rematch happens, because everybody's expecting it to be a when somewhere down the line? that Conor McGregor will be talked to about, as far as the trash talk goes, not taking it to a certain point? Because there was a lot that he was saying that really is... I mean, calling his trainer hyper- a terrorist? Right, no, I mean, it's <laughs> it's ra- it's racist, yeah. it's xenophobic, yeah. it, it's anti-Muslim, and, but, and that sort of stuff, yeah. though, I'm wondering, beyond and, and, upsetting, upsetting Khabib, it also, I wonder if that's how you want to represent your sport. Yeah, but and, Andy, the, and Ariel, I, I don't mean to jump in here, but that... That's combat sports, like boxing and and MMA traffic in those worlds, um, and that is common to sell a fight. Ariel, is that not is that not the way to describe it? Absolutely, and that has always been uh, Connor's appeal. Connor uses this sort of mental warfare, if you want to call it that. Here's the the, the thing that people appreciate about Connor. I think his fans appreciate it. I think even the media appreciates. Uh, this about Connor. When he does a press conference, he doesn't just show up like most athletes and say, okay, what do you got? He actually comes prepared. And when I say comes prepared, I want, I want to be clear about this. He doesn't come with canned lines. He's not the rock or stone cold Steve Austin, but he does his research. He knows everything about his opponent. It, it's shocking how much he knows about his opponent. Like he stays up and actually does his research, not just from a fighting perspective, but from, you know, a personality perspective, from a background perspective, a historical perspective. So with Habib, there was a lot there. Um, and there's a lot that no one would ever dare talk about. His father, Habib, still lives at home with his parents. Habib is the youngest child in his family, and in that culture, the youngest child lives at home. He is married with two children. His father, he holds him in the highest regard possible. Like the way he talks about his dad, um, I, I mean, I can't even equate it to anything. It, it's he—he he is the man in his life. He is his head coach. He, he feels very deeply about him. So when Connor started talking about his dad, when Connor started talking about Dagestan, which is where he's from, and Chechnya, and Vladimir Putin, who has a strained relationship with the Dagestani people, this went into a place uh, that no one had ever gone before with Khabib. And then you add on top of all of that the bus stuff that was very personal as well. This was inevitable in many respects. So uh, I don't expect, by the way, Connor to change. This is who he is. He is not afraid. He's, he's not shying away from any of it. He's back on social media. He's talking. He's the kind of guy who doesn't hide when he loses. He doesn't lick his wounds. He comes back for more. And that's why I, I, I feel strongly that they're going to do the rematch because that's what he wants. And Connor usually gets what he wants. Ariel Hawani is the best in the business at covering MMA. Make sure you check out his show, the Ariel Hawani MMA Show. And of course, on ESPN Plus, Ariel and the Bad Guy with uh, Chael Sonnen. Um, all right, a couple of things real quick. Let's do this rapid fire, so just give me quick answers. Uh, okay. at, at MSG, uh, UFC 230 will be headlined by? Daniel Cormier versus Derek Lewis for the heavyweight title. Okay. Um, will we get a rematch of Connor and Habib, and when? When is impossible to say because we, we have to wait for Nevada, but crystal ball at some point before the end of the world i suspect yes you mentioned the cowboys are listening to this interview they uh manage john bones jones uh i think when john bones jones is fighting i think he is the best fighter uh in mma i can compartmentalize some of the stuff that people don't love about him i'm talking about strictly what he does in the octagon dana white was, was on with us on friday uh, I was kind of surprised when I asked him about John Bones Jones that he said this. I want those guys to know that this is the way Dana feels uh, about their guy, and I'm curious to get your thoughts on it when I ask them uh, about John Bones's, Jones's future uh, in the UFC. I'm waiting for him to get in shape. He's not in shape. I thought that, uh, you know, he, he would stay in shape. He's not. He, he, he's extremely overweight right now and needs to get back in the gym. 
get a camp going. And once he starts to get into, into good shape and see how his body feels, then we can figure out, um, you know, what's next for him, when and what opponent. There he is, the president of the so US. So what, what do you make of that? Well, I, I mean, dare I say that, that sounds like fat shaming. I mean, extremely overweight. Have you seen photos of the guy on Instagram? He does not look extremely overweight to me, right. but who am I? Uh, I spoke to John. I had the pleasure of speaking to him last uh, Thursday, and he said that right now the talks are December 29th against Alexander Gustafson, and that would be for the light heavyweight title, and that would be a rematch of, in my opinion, the greatest fight in UFC history back at UFC 165. There you go. There he is. The best in the business. Ariel, thank you so much for joining us. Always appreciate you making time for us. My pleasure. Anytime, guys. Thank you. You, you got to take care. Ariel Hawani, follow him on Twitter. If you love MMA or if you want to love MMA, uh, this is the guy. Trust me when I tell you that. Uh, all right. Zach Harper is going to be in studio of The Athletic, covers the NBA for them. Uh, Sirius XM, we'll talk to him uh, about the Lakers' future and who should they be worried about uh, moving forward here? This roster, uh, Luke's talking about sacrifice. Well, who would be the biggest potential hurdle there as far as this roster is concerned uh, with the sacrifices that need to be made? So we'll talk to Zach in a second.